And we're back with another episode of E Squared and Uncut. That's educate and elevate for those that may be newer to the program. Today is the second installment of the American Recovery Series. And today we're going to talk about education versus prison. On the first installment, we talked about jobs, homelessness, and prison, and a little bit of outsourcing. But the prison part was more so of how the model of it was used to actually make money and things that we can use out of that same model to actually help build the economy and build jobs for Americans that are on welfare or that are homeless to actually curb a lot of these things. Today, we're going to take a uh, dive into prison more so the rehabilitation program and how the lack of education correlates to prison, thus starting this repetitive cycle. So without further ado, I go ahead and start off with this brief disclaimer. As always, this is for entertainment purpose only. Everything discussed within is from my beliefs, my views, things I have researched, learned, heard, or studied. So I will try my best to provide you with the most updated and accurate information. However, it's for strictly entertainment purpose only. So take everything at your own risk. So without further ado, education, I want to first start off and create a baseline, describe what education is, you know, what it means to a lot of people and, the, you know, the application of such. So what is education? Education is the process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, especially at a school or university. Furthermore, it's the process of facilitating learning or the acquisition of knowledge, skills, values, morals, beliefs habits, and personal development. So with that being said, it encompasses a lot of different facets of things from book knowledge, your actual skills, values, morals, beliefs, habits, and personal development. These things are very critical to understand the application of education and how it relates to prison. So what is the purpose of education? I was looking online trying to get a little background information to kind of drive home some of the points. I ran across this article that Martin Luther King wrote. It was published in the Martin Luther King Jr. Research and Education Institute. And it has a utilitarian, which it means designed to be useful or practical rather than attractive. And a moral, which means a lesson, especially one concerning what is right or prudent. It also comes twofold. It must enable a person to become efficient to achieve with increasing facility the legitimate goals of their life. Education must also train one for quick, resolute, and effective thinking. A little bit more further, I was digging a little deeper because that was just a little snippet of an article that he wrote, and I'm pretty sure it was lengthy, but that was the only thing I found on it. Then I came across this Washington Post article. So it says the purpose of education is knowledge of the natural and engineered environments and how people live in the world. It's critical to these three purposes of education, critical thinking, creativity, interpersonal skills, and a sense of social responsibility. Interpersonal skills in a sense of social responsibility. And as you listen to this, I'm pretty sure you can already tell where I'm trying to go. Education is more than the knowledge you attain. It's also the practical use of that knowledge and also supposed to help you develop morals, values, habits, and also interpersonal skills and a sense of social responsibility, meaning community-wise, law-abiding, and everything else that goes along with it. Now, we're going to create a baseline for prison. The purpose of prison can be put into four categories. First is retribution, and that's defined as punishment as vengeance for criminal acts. Number two, incapacitation which is the act of making a person incapable of committing crimes. Number three is deterrence. That's where you discourage others from committing crimes as well. And the fourth one is rehabilitation. That's where you apply treatment and training 
to the offender so that he or she is made capable of returning to society and functioning as a law-abiding member of the community. So we're going to really focus on number four. We understand retribution. You go to jail, you get locked up, you're paying back your debt to society. And capacitation, obviously, because you're locked up behind bars, you really can't commit crimes on the outside. However, we know crimes are still committed in prison to an extent, you know, things happen. However, it more speaks what I'm assuming is the ability to commit in the actual society. That's why they put you in a place where you cannot actually commit crimes. And deterrence. Punishment, a lot of times, is effective if you see one person get in trouble. A lot of times we hear the, the term or phrase, I'm going to make an example out of you. And that's what the deterrence do. They see this person go to jail. They see this person get hit with this sentence. They see this person get hit with this punishment, and it's supposed to want to deter anyone else from actually committing crimes or want to be in the same place. But how effective is that? That's a topic for another discussion. However, just ponder that thought. So we're going to focus on the rehabilitation because the purpose of prison, jails, or any type of incarceration is to get a person from where they're at currently and make them more productive citizens for society. A lot of these things that education was actually speaking on. Now, I'm going to give you some prison statistics. Just roll straight over to these prison statistics. At a federal level, the average cost per inmate, and this was a 2019 study, was $35,347. That equals to $107.85 per day. Per inmate, $35,347. Or daily, you're spending $107. For the re-entry, it was $39,158 or roughly $109.38 per day. That's per inmate per day at the federal level. At the state prison, it ranges from $14,780 in Alabama and $69,355 in New York. Of course, we know, you know, cost of living and such causes that number to rise and fall. So these are the extreme lows and this is extreme high. Alabama had the lowest at $14,780, and New York had the highest at $69,355 at a state prison. Factor that in and just really think about that. One inmate in New York almost costs about $70,000 a year to house that person. On average, the U.S. government spends about $33,274 a year or $137 per day per inmate. And that was according to a Vera.org study in 2005. I mean, 2015, excuse me. So if you think about how costly it is for the American taxpayers to actually house inmates, most of us do not make that in a single year. Most of us do not make that 69000 in two years. A little extreme on a low end, however, that is the reality. But yet one inmate is costing that much, right? So what are we doing for education? If we're spending that much on criminals who break in the law and costing the taxpayers money anyway because they are breaking the law and there's things that taxpayers have to clean up, you know, for the investigations or the crime scenes and such. What are we doing for the actual education to ensure our money is going to a good use? So here's some educational statistics. In the past 11 years, education has seen the biggest increase of 5% to educational spending. It has increased to $13,187 per student for the year. That has been the biggest increase in the past 11 years, and it was only a 5% increase. Now, comparably, if you think about it, we spend more money per inmate in the lowest of the jails on population than we do for the maximal per student for education. 41% of inmates didn't complete high school. 
as opposed to 22.6% with high school diplomas and then 12.7% with post-secondary education, you know, as college or trade schools and things of that nature. And these uh, statistics came from the Bureau of Justice Statistical Special Report. Break that down. A trend says an uneducated person is almost twice as likely to go to jail than the person that has a high school diploma and roughly three and a half times more likely to go to jail than the person with a post-secondary education. So we can see right now how important education is for deterrence. However, we're going to just dive a little deeper into this thing. Now, I want to give you some comparable facts. I kind of did that already with uh, explaining how the 13000 was less than the actual 14000 that Alabama spends per inmate for theirs as far as education as opposed to prison. However, we're going to go a little deeper and explain those numbers a little bit better to give you a better understanding, a better picture. U.S. spends $20,087 or 40% more on prison than education on average. There are around 2.1 million incarcerated and there's around 50.8 in public schools. In essence, schools have about 96% more people enrolled than prison, but they receive 60% less funding. Now, I say that again. Schools have about 96% more people enrolled than there are people in prison, but they receive 60% less funding than prisoners. And as additional facts that I was talking about earlier, I'm just going to re-spin it again. The average American spends about $1,784 per month or roughly $21,408 per year on housing expenses. Housing expenses is the mortgage or rent and like your utilities, water, the gas or whatever you have in your home, roughly about $1,784 a month or $21,408 a year, as opposed to over $35,000 a year for inmate housing. The average American spends less than what we cost to put one person to a incarcerated state. Think about that. Additionally, 68% of inmates are arrested again within three years. And then another 77% are arrested within five years. About half of those that are arrested in that time frame resort in a conviction, meaning that some people get arrested, maybe even as erroneously, or they beat the trial or beat the case or whatever have you. However, roughly 50% of them, it leads to a conviction. So that revolving door of getting out of jail, getting put on the streets, whatever you're doing in between those three years, three to five years, and then you're back in square one. So now that we got that out of the way and we understand these facts and statistics, so what does this all mean? That's a good question. So in my honest opinion, hearing that your 42% is likely to go to jail without an education of people who didn't receive a diploma or GED equivalent, as opposed to 12% who receive post-secondary education, to me, education is so important. And it all goes back to that old saying that a lot of people say, if you know better, you would do better. I wholeheartedly believe that. You have to think a lot of people are products of their environment. As much as we try to argue the contrary, it's true to a certain extent. You only know what you see. And if you only see negative things, bums, drug dealers, gang members, your parents really ain't graduate. So education is really not that important. And everybody in your social circle is living off the government. You're only going to know as much as you, you know. And then conversely, you go to school and the school is... We know the schools for a fact are underfunded. We know that. A lot of teachers for years have been buying things out of their own pocket, trying to make classes interesting, 
trying to engage students, trying to give students a leg up in these public schools. However, we know that that's impossible because teacher salaries are so low as well. So they're doing what they can and making the best of what they can with what they have in their, their arsenal. So you go to school in these huge class sizes so you don't get that personal uh, learning and connection with teachers or students because it's so massive. Or you may don't know anything, so you're scared and afraid to raise your hand. You really don't have a leg up to succeed. I know there's been a push a while ago to go to smaller class sizes just for this reason. So now we got this, this actual lineal path of school, which is important to know school itself if you look at the, the design of school, it was built like an assembly line. It was very popular, and that's going to be a topic of another discussion, but just a brief overview, just so you can get an understanding. Think of it like manufacturing a car. Every section has something it's going to do. This may put on the wheels. This may put on the doors. This may put on the, the mirrors. This may put on the, the windshields. This may put the radio in. This may put the seats in, etc. You factor that in with going to school. At kindergarten, you learn this, and then you everybody massively move forward in a linear path, constantly going, constantly going, constantly going until you graduate, and then you have this finished product, a mass-educated person, and that's how education produced. You have one person working this class, i.e. this assembly line, this point, and then when they're finished, they, they polish them up, they put them together, they push them out to the next one, and then they do the same thing repetitively until you graduate. But just like cars, sometimes there's additional stations. You know, you might have the base model car or you might have the one that has all the bells and whistles, the top trim. With that being said, it might have to go to additional stations because they have to include and add more things to that car. That's the same thing with post-secondary education. You learned all this, you used the base model. You created the baseline. You know how to read, write, you know, values, morals, you know, standards. You understand right from wrong. You understand how to add and subtract. That's it. However, now you want to go get a little bit more advancement, you go to college. So that's just a brief little synopsis of education overview. Back to the thing. Now you're in class and you don't know. And you're making just enough to go by. Eventually, school gets harder. It gets harder and harder and harder, not only as grades progress, but as times progress. I know when I was in school, algebra and things of that nature was like late middle school, early high school or junior high for uh, a lot of people or middle school for others. However, they learning that stuff early junior high slash middle school and sometimes earlier than that. You ever seen, are you smarter than a fifth grader? And then went back there and like, man, I didn't learn this stuff in fifth grade. Because as time progressed, they start adding more and more to the curriculum to understand that we can actually do better. Kids are smarter. They have more opportunities. They have more things they need to learn to actually be competitive on the world stage. So imagine sitting there and your entire surrounding of your social life has nothing to do with school, dropouts and people who've been arrested. So now you're going to just typically follow along that pattern. That leads me to my next point. Being proactive with education and care is better than being reactive. And what do I mean by that? If we know or is stating this trending pattern that lack of education leads to people going to jail at 42% as opposed to 12.7% of people going to jail with a secondary post-education, obviously the better thing to do is just like with your car. You don't wait till it break down before you actually service it. And you shouldn't wait till it run out of oil before you do an oil change. You do it before. You do it periodically. You do it at set intervals. So you're doing that pre-care instead of that reactive care. Because just like your car, you forget to put oil in it, you forget to put water in it, you ride it, the engine gonna blow. Then what? Now you're replacing the whole engine. Now you're coming out more money, which as we see, this analogy is perfect 
because we could spend only a fraction of what we're spending for education as opposed to the 20,000 more that we have to spend to incarcerate a person in the United States. So you want to make sure you really get after that before care and actually allow that student to have the best chance of succeeding. Another thing is, is that what we don't really factor in is in the social environment as well. Doing this before care, we have to understand parents play a very integral role in a child's education. When your bills are due, when your lights are getting ready to get cut off, you don't have food in the house, and you may be coming from a single parent home and that person just living off welfare anyway or living paycheck to paycheck, any expenses incurred after that is detrimental to the budget. So people are looking for immediate satisfaction that I need it now. So imagine, put yourself in these shoes and really think, how do you get cash fast? I have a kid that's in kindergarten or first or second, third grade, or even fifth or sixth. It's going to take them years to actually allow themselves to get educated, get a job that's going to be paying something and then make a livable wages. But we don't need it later. We need it now. We need that two or $300 now for this month, not two or $300 planning for six, seven, eight, 12 years, 13 years down the road. We need it now. So to understand that parents plays a very important role in that educational paradigm as well is really, really important to the lesson of how we're going to actually get after education. Another thing about education is it's a streamlined process comparably to prison, which is not so much of a streamlined process. It's more like a revolving door. Back to the assembly line aspect. You start at kindergarten, they teach you whatever they teach you, how to spell your name and ABCs and one, two, threes and cat, bat, rat, hat, and a few other sight words. Then you move on to the next station and you're learning a few more things, how to add two plus one, how to add three plus two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go on and move on, move forward. And then 12th grade, 13 years later from kindergarten to 12th grade is 13 years. And now you have a strong foundation. Now you can actually move forward, move out and do great things. It's a streamlined process. Yeah, if you fail a grade, you have to repeat it. However, school has a minimal age. I mean, a maximum age you can be at. And then they have to put you out. And then you have to take other routes like night school or GED classes, which becomes a separate problem um, in itself as far as funding. However, we're talking about just the main core principle of public school. You go there. You do what you got to do. You get out. So that money they're spending is almost a finite number because... You can almost predict how much every student will cause based off the fact that if they go from kindergarten to 12th grade, it's this many years and you just multiply that and then that's typically should be what you get. So that 13, a little more than 13,000 should just be multiplied by 13 and then you get an answer how much you're going to actually spend for that student in their entire lifetime there at school. But prison is a little more different. I told you there's four principles of prison. However, I said we're going to focus on the fourth principle, that's the rehabilitation process. The rehabilitation process to prison is so important because they try to educate you to be more productive society. You got to think back to the basis of education, not just the knowledge part, but the morals, the values, the habits, the personal development, the interpersonal skills, and learning how to operate within a society. Those things, right? You take those things and understand that just like you fell in a grade, you Go back to that grade, repeat it, and you try to learn how to multiply, divide, or whatever that lesson was that you just couldn't do, and you just repeat that lesson, and hopefully you catch it the second time around. Same thing with prison. It's there to rehabilitate you, to give you that second chance. Okay, obviously, you did X, Y, and Z. Maybe you didn't know it was wrong. I don't know. I'm not going to insult your intelligence, but we're going to teach you this so we can create this baseline amongst everybody in the prison 
and explain to them, this is how you read, this is how you write, this is what expect you in society, this is how to be productive, this is how to stay out of trouble. And then they take you out, push you out, and then you're supposed to go out there and do great things and then come, you know, hopefully never end up back there. Because you have been rehabilitated, you are now should be a productive member of society. However, statistically speaking, we see that doesn't work when over two thirds percent of the population go back within three and then another like uh, 77 percent or so go back within five and 50 percent of those result in conviction. So obviously that rehabilitation is not working. And there's reasons you might go out there and try to find something to do. You might try to find a job. A lot of places don't hire because even though you paid your debt back to society, society still look at you as a criminal. And with the job market and such becoming so competitive, you have to have a leg up. You have all the right credentials, all the right qualifications, but just they don't hire you because you're a criminal. So obviously the term paying your debt back to society need to be revised or they need to rework of how prisons are treated, which, you know, I think I got a pretty good explanation if you go back and look at the first installment of the American Recovery Series. So back to this. So we see that it doesn't work because there's a word called recidivism. And all it is, is meaning a person that repeats and they go back to jail pretty much, just that revolving door. So this 33,000 or over 33,000 that you spend per inmate per year, it's not a finite number like that 13,000 or so you spend per student because that's a streamlined process. This is a revolving door. Eventually, they're going to come back, statistically speaking, on the great majority of them. So you can't do mathematical numbers and say, this person has a year in jail or four years in prison. And this is how much we're going to spend for this person per year, because they're going to come back. And as the population get bigger, you know, those sample numbers of this also gets bigger as well. And when you have 2.1 million people incarcerated, you got to think that's that put time, 33,000 and get a lot of money spent, billions of dollars spent. So recidivism means that they're just going to keep coming back, which means that we're going to just keep dumping more money into this thing, right? However, when people get out, that same statistic from the Bureau of Justice Statistics Special Report, I implore everybody to go read it, and I will publish the link of all these uh, sources and resources I used while doing my studies to get these facts and figures in, in the actual description. When you go back, they tell you a lot of people didn't get educated as well, because some people don't get educated. Not every place seems to offer that education. So you go out, you don't have an education. And back to the educational statistics to understand that 41%, 42% of the people who don't have a GED or even a high school diploma will get sent to prison. Then you couple that with the statistics to understand that people coming out still illiterate from jail and they have a better than two third percent of repeating themselves within three years of going to jail. And then a 77% of them repeating themselves within five years of going to jail and half of them are going to be in there being convicted. You have that revolving door back around going back to jail spending more taxpayers' money instead of trying to create a process and program that actually rehabilitates. So I'm going to just highlight a few of these points of things that I had talked about through this podcast. We understand what education is, and we understand how it's defined, and we understand what prison is and how it's defined. However, we're going to focus on these facts and statistics. So the first thing is education is a linear path. You go from start to finish with an asterisk, of course, because of people can repeat grades. As opposed to prison, which is a revolving door, it's very uncertain of how many times that person will go, but you can't factor in, statistically speaking, they have a high rate of going back. The U.S. spend more money on prisoners than education, although the purpose of prison is to educate through rehabilitation and things of that nature. 
So it would probably be better to actually do preventive care rather than reactive care by investing more into education and allowing people to get a better education and so they can actually see the light at the end of the tunnel and have something to work for. Because if you know better, you'll do better. And again, that's not for everybody. However, I think statistically speaking, what the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics spoke about was that 42% of people without a high school diploma GD was incarcerated. About half of that with a, at least a high school diploma got incarcerated. And then about 12.7 with the secondary education was incarcerated. It seemed like the more education you get, the less likely you want to go to jail because you actually have something to work for. It. The U.S. government spends more on inmate housing than you and I spend on our housing by a lot. Although we're the one paying for it through our taxes. So that's all the time I have. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast and I hope y'all got something from it. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up until next time.